So I think <laughs> networking is a necessary evil. Nobody likes to do it, but you need to. Well, there are some people who like to do it. <laughs> um, and and I, when I say networking, I mean like pure, like not like, not just like going out to like input. Like, I don't know. Um, when I say networking, I mean purely like going to things to make connections to get a job. I think like nobody likes to do that, but it's a necessary evil. You're not going to get where you need to be without meeting the right people. I mean, some, a very small percentage of people will be able to do that without meeting the right people. But for the rest of us, normal people, um, you know, we have to put ourselves out there and we have to meet people to talk about their experiences, to get more information. And that's how um, we're going to like learn more about where we want to be and what goals we have for ourselves. Um, so it is a necessary evil. And I think like, I mean, I, I, I know you said the term like snakes and stuff because a lot of people call Macomb students snakes and they associate that with networking. And I think like, I mean, what are you going to do? It's like, <laughs> it's part, I mean, it's, it's literally part of our major, I feel like. And like, I, I don't think it's fair to call Macomb's people snakes and just kind of umbrella everybody into the same thing. Um, because networking to us is like very important and it's, it's taught that it's important too. I mean, like, I, I don't know how you would disagree with that. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Nuance Nonsense. We're not experts, we just like talking. This is your co-host Alex. And this is your other co-host Ben and I brought on my good friend Cameron and fellow YouTuber. <laughs> Anything you'd like to add? Um... Not really. I mean, I, I just graduated college. Me and Ben, um, we weren't classmates, but we met in college and we both went to the University of Texas at Austin. So that's how I know um, him. And uh, yeah. And so we typically start off with like an easy question. This one could be loaded depending on your college experience, but <laughs> your college been after graduating, like anything you regret, anything you're proud of, anything highs or lows? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll answer that in two parts. The first one, do you want me to take the high first or the low? Whichever. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll take the low first because I feel like if we end on a high, that'll be better. <laughs> um, I would say a low in college. And I think that like almost every single student goes through this, but something called the sophomore slump. Um, I know that like, at least I know business kids go through this because you know, when you're a freshman, you're kind of like the new shiny uh, a little student that everybody, you know, wants to be like, join my org, join my thing. Like they, a lot of people like to put emphasis on freshmen, um, which I think is very opposite from high school. But um, your freshman year is just about exploring and kind of like finding your friend group and doing a bunch of fun things. You know, classes aren't super hard, so that's like super fun. Um, and just kind of exploring the city that you're in um, and your college campus. And then when it comes to sophomore year, I think that that's when you start kind of freaking out because you kind of have to get your stuff together a little bit. And um, particularly my sophomore year, I was going through recruiting um, because business recruiting is kind of weird. Uh, I was recruiting for this thing called investment banking and I did it my sophomore year for my junior internship. So it was super early um, and there's a lot of competitiveness going on around that. So a low for me was definitely like, trying to figure out my career super early on and just um, feeling the competition within our business school and just kind of questioning whether I was good enough to um, kind of achieve my career goals. And then um, a high, I would say, 
definitely. Um, I think like going back to freshman year being really fun. I think my, my high was definitely freshman year spring when I joined one of the organizations that I'm in. Um, it's called Delta Sigma Pi. I don't know if anyone is, anyone who's watching this isn't DSP, but, um, definitely a high for me. I made a lot of my best friends through there and it helped me grow as a person a lot. Oh, to explain what is investment banking? Oh, okay. So, um, depending on where you work, investment banking kind of means something different. So I work on the M&A team for a boutique bank. And so basically this past summer when I was an intern, um, I was, or our, our clients were small, um, healthcare private companies, and then we were helping them, um, sell to, um, kind of a different array of buyers. Some of them would be private equity. Some of them would be strategic buyers and stuff like that. So basically like bigger healthcare companies, but that's what I do. And that's what I'll be doing starting August for full time. Is this something that like you, or rather to rephrase the question I was thinking of, is like, is this something you're really passionate about going into college or is this something that you kind of like picked up along the way and like, Oh, maybe this sounds cool. Yeah, so I think that a lot of people come into college, or the, the people that end up doing investment banking, I think a lot of them um, come into college kind of already knowing what it is. Uh, maybe they had a family member doing it, or they had learned about it in some way or another. I was complete opposite. Um, I came into college as a marketing major, um, because Ben, as you mentioned before, <laughs> um, I did have a YouTube channel. I don't really do it anymore, um, but I did consider myself a pretty creative person, so I ran like a like I was really into do-it-yourself stuff and like I ran a nail Instagram and I um, I did that kind of stuff. So I, I was a marketing major because I thought that was very fitting for me. And um, I went on this random trip to New York that the business school puts on and um, I kind of found investment banking through that and we were visiting like all the different banks and I fell in love from there. And so I decided to pursue it and that's how I am where I am now. Dang. <laughs> How would you say, like, you, like, after you found it, what was, like, made, what was the thing that, like, really stood out to you? I think what stands out is that everybody, um, or the, at least the people that I knew um, that worked in banking were extremely motivated, and they kind of knew um, what they wanted um, in the next few years, and they kind of knew the trajectory that they wanted to take, um, and so that was really inspiring to me. The people that just worked in it um, were really inspiring. Dang. So, are would on that note, do you consider yourself a person that's like really likes planning thing at the planning things out, or you just like prefer spontaneous things? Uh, I definitely like planning things out. Um, I I I think that like I think I am spontaneous in certain aspects, like uh, more short term, like like considering more short short term things, like stuff that I do day to day, week to week. But I definitely like am the type of person to think about like five, 10 years ahead of myself and kind of see where I am um, in that regard. Mm. So uh, this, this is just a continuous string of questions, but I was just really curious to know, like what was your expectation in high school? Cause you had like maybe a four year plan or something going into college. And then what was like, how is it contrasted to the reality of what actually happened? Yeah. So I actually think that um, I didn't, kind of get into this mindset of planning out until I got to college because when I think back to my high school self um I don't know what I thought I was gonna do I I did a lot of different things so when I was a freshman my high school actually has a medical program so I was in that for a little bit um mainly because my sister like was also in it like my older sister um so I thought I would do it, it wasn't for me I quit 
Um, and then I ended up doing like a lot of STEM stuff in high school because we developed a STEM program and I was like one, I was in like one of the first classes for that. Um, so then when I was applying to college, I was debating business or engineering and I ultimately chose business, um, which was honestly on a whim because I was also considering going to SMU and if I went there, I would have done engineering. So basically I had no idea. Um, I didn't know like what any career would, I, I literally had no idea about anything. And so I think that going to McCombs and going to UC was a really good decision for me because I think it helped guide me a lot and set me on a path, um, to where I could figure myself out. Hmm. Do you ever like, Oh, you can go Alex. Do you ever think about what life would be if you went to SMU and like how you would be as a, like a person? Yeah. I mean, I think like there, there were like some, like it wasn't just SMU, there were like different schools that I was, I was considering, but I am the youngest of three children and my oldest sister went to SMU and then my middle sister went to Harvard. And so they're very different. I mean, they're both private schools. I'm the first child that went to a public institution, but they're very different in the way that SMU, um, I mean, if you live in Dallas, it's, it's about 45 minutes away from my house and, um, Harvard is a flight. And so it, I think it affected my sisters in different ways. So the, I remember when I was um, in middle school, I would drive up to SMU every single weekend with my parents to go visit my sister, which is completely unnecessary. Um, and for the sister that went to Harvard, I mean, in like she was all the way in Boston, so I didn't really get to see her as much. And I know that she got kind of homesick sometimes. Um, so for UT, it was like, perfect in between if I want to go home, like or if I really need something from home, I can go home, but I'm not going to be doing it like often. Um, and so that was perfect. And so I think like, if I did go to SMU, my parents would be doing the same thing that we did to my sister and they'd be visiting all the time. And I don't know if I would have been able to grow as a person as much, just having my family there as like a crutch. Um, not to say that my sister didn't, I think she grew immensely, but I think that my experience would have differed a lot differently. And like, considering that I would have been doing a different major, I think I would be a completely different person. I think that business has affected or majoring in business has affected like my personality and like the avenues of growth that I've taken. Dang. So like, how can you give me an example of like how it affected you just curiously? Yeah, I think like, and I, I can never speak to like what it would have been like if I did engineering or something. Cause I, I didn't do it. So I can't really say, <laughs> um, but I mean, McCombs has just had a tremendously positive impact on me. I think that like, um, the student orgs that we have within McCombs, I think we have like 39 massives now. So it's like student org life is a huge part of UT. Um, but, you know, especially being in DSP, I don't think I would have done that if I was at SMU or if I went to a different school. Um, and I think that's like the, I think that is like a single handedly the thing that changed my college career, you know, like, I mean, we've been good friends for a long time. So, you know, like I got very involved since freshman year. And so four years of that, um, just like gave me my best friends, my best experiences and kind of like it gives you, I would say your highest highs and your lowest lows, but it pushes you to really care about other people. Dang. What kind of uh, camaraderie per se? Like, do you feel like that sense of like solidarity with like your pledge brothers? Yeah. So I like, I think like, in the fall and spring differ because fall has around like a little over 20 kids. Spring usually has around like 17, maybe less. My class ended up with like 13. So it was pretty small. One kid transferred out, <laughs> um, but we're all still very, very close. Um, I like met one of my best friends, Lucia. And like, I feel like 
like even though our pledge semester was only 10 weeks long I still feel such a close connection with them because you know like I mean DSP does a really good job of um, grouping people who have similar mindsets together but also bringing like diverse backgrounds so basically like I still like what like that kid that transferred out to Cornell like we still talk to him all the time he flew back to visit specifically Austin and he's from Dallas like he flew back to visit Austin multiple times of the year um, from New York just because like we were so tight and we like missed each other so much. Dang. So I, I kind of like asked this because like I, I'm not trying to like paint like with a broad brush, but I feel like Greek has its like reputation stained by sort of like, you know, scandalous events that occur. So I was just like curious, like what your thoughts on that were. Yeah. So DSP is very different from social Greek. Um, I, I don't even really, I like wouldn't even consider us like Greek, um, but yeah, I, I'm not too familiar about like the social Greek aspect of UT, but for um, DSP, we do like, like we're under a national branch. So there are definitely rules and protocol that we have to follow. We have like nationals insurance and stuff like that. There's a lot of rules that we have to follow. So I think that's what has protected us um, and like kept us grounded just because like we, I mean, we're a professional fraternity. Like, we're not going to be out there do like, we're not going to be hazing people or anything like that. Um, so, not not to say that social Greek at UT is hazing people. I don't want to like say anything <laughs> that's going <laughs> to disregard that. But I, I can assure you that DSP does not do that. So I think that like, you know, we've never been under fire for that, and we never will be. So, is it um. I guess, like, what are your, um, like, thoughts, like, on, like, social Greek specifically in comparison to, like, professional Greek? Yeah, so I think that, like, both are actually really good at finding, like, best, like, you know, building relationships and finding friends. I think that, like, there's, there's, four, um, there's four business fraternities on campus, and they're all great. Everyone I know in them, like, really um, enjoys being in them a lot. And then I think, like, there's people in DSP that are also in social Greek, um, and, like, I'm not too familiar with Social Greek, but the friends that I know in it really, really like it. Um, and I think that, like, I think there's definitely pros and cons. I think that, I mean, I know at UT it costs a lot of money, so that's definitely a con. Um, but I think, and, and people, like, make fun of Social Greek sometimes because they're like, oh, like, you're paying for friends. But I genuinely, like, don't think that's a valid argument because, like, I mean, you, like, any organization that you're in, you, I mean, it, it usually has dues because um, they have to find a way to sustain themselves. And it's just, like, you know, it's just part of, it's just part of what it is. Yes, it's expensive, but I don't think it's a valid argument. So I, I don't really have a positive or negative opinion on Social Greek, but the, I will vouch and say that the friends that I know in it really, really like it. Mm. Kind of, like, speaking about paying for friends, like, I was kind of thinking about, um, it's like how expensive college is to some people in general. And, um, you know, I think like the number one takeaway that a lot of people take out of college is like, Hey, these are the friends I made. Like I've developed a lot of soft skills. I guess like, what are your, what are your thoughts on like how, um, there's like a perception that, you know, like what makes college worth is like more about, um, like the relationships you build and, um, the soft skills you develop or is like the education you make, um, despite, I guess like the price uh, you have to pay for that. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I do kind of have an opinion on, like, 
Like, I, I think that some institutions are incredibly expensive and overpriced. I personally believe that the University of Texas is not um, overpriced. I think that um, what we pay is very fair for what we get. Um, I do think that there are some schools out there where you have to pay like $70,000 a year. And I, I think that's a bit ridiculous. Um, but for what we pay, I think it's very, um, it's very fair. And I think that like, I think that the soft skills that we do get out of college and we do get some hard skills too, no matter what major you're in. Um, I mean, like for business, you know, like in my marketing classes and like we, we go a lot of, we do a lot of like analytics and statistics and stuff. And in our finance classes, we learn a lot. Um, we do our studio and stuff like that. And I, I did get hard skills, but definitely the soft skills are what I think put um, or puts people um, like at the top. And like when we're, you know, interviewing for jobs and stuff like that, like Ben, you were talking about the other day, like for getting promotions, soft skills are extremely important. And it's those things that are going to put you on top and actually get you promotion. So I think that we get a lot of soft skills in our education. And that is like a more, or I think that is the most important thing that we gain. Speaking of which, for the development of like soft skills, what do you think is like the best way to like go about getting those kind of things in college, right? So, cause like, there's a lot of different avenues in which you can take it. So it's like student orgs or just like doing your own thing or just like some other path. Like, what do you think is the best sort of method for that? Like through your own experience? Yeah, I think, um, I, I genuinely think it was the student orgs that gave me like the leadership skills, um, to work in a, um, like a team working environment. And we definitely like, um, McCombs encourages like, like one of our, our biggest things is like, we do group projects to like inspire leadership within our students and stuff. But I do think it's like definitely the student orgs that do that because when you're in a student org, like you can run for positions, you always have to work with people. Um, it kind of gives you an environment um, to learn about yourself and learn about others and see how people react in different situations. So I think it's definitely um, the student orgs. And also some of the student orgs mimic like corporations, like not, not exactly like corporations, but like kind of like a, how a business structure would work. And you know, some of the orgs and masses that we have are professionally focused. Um, so I would say it mimics it really well. What are y'all, what are y'all's thoughts on like networking? Um, cause I know, um, in college, like people are always like, Hey, like this is where, you know, I guess like you hear so many stories like on fate, like at Facebook, um, you know, they all met in college. They're all working on Facebook, the website in their dorm. Um, you hear about all sorts of like companies where like started by the friends they made in college. Um, you know, Wong Fu Productions, a YouTube channel, like they were all like really good college friends. Um, but I guess like there's also like networking also has this like reputation um, of being like for snakes, you know. I mean, I guess you are, <laughs> marketer, but um, you know, a lot of people are kind of just like, I don't really need to do networking. Like, like I'm not a business major, but um, yeah, I guess like for both of y'all, and I can chime in later too. But like, what are your thoughts on like networking if it's important or not? Um, wait, what? You want to go? Yeah, sure. So I think <laughs> networking is a necessary evil. Nobody likes to do it, but you need to, well, there are some people who like to do it. <laughs> um, and um, I, when I say networking, I mean like pure, like not like, not just like going out to like input, like, I don't know. Um, when I say networking, I mean purely like, 
going to things to make connections to get a job. I think like nobody likes to do that, but it's a necessary evil. You're not going to get where you need to be without meeting the right people. I mean, some, a very small percentage of people will be able to do that without meeting the right people. But for the rest of us, normal people, um, you know, we have to put ourselves out there and we have to meet people to talk about their experiences to get more information. And that's how um, we're going to like learn more about where we want to be and what goals we have for ourselves. Um, so it is a necessary evil. And I think like, I mean, I, I, I know you said the term like snakes and stuff because a lot of people call Macomb students snakes and they associate that with networking. And I think like, I mean, what are you going to do? It's like, <laughs> it's part, I mean, it's, it's literally part of our major, I feel like. And like, I, I don't think it's fair to call Macomb's people snakes and just kind of umbrella everybody into the same thing. Um, because networking to us is like very important and it's, it's taught that it's important too. I mean, like, I, I don't know how you would disagree with that. I mean, I totally agree. Like, I also believe that like painting Macomb students with like a broad brush as snakes is just, it, I, I would hope it's more a joke, or at least that's the optimistic side of me thinking that. But I know there are some people who like genuinely believe it and they're like, oh, they're just like manipulating me. They're just like trying to do X, Y, or Z and like not actually get to know me. But like, I think there, it is a necessary evil. Like, it is a skill that you must have to thrive. Like I don't yeah. think you can go anywhere without it. I, I think that whatever major you're in, if you want a job, <laughs> you have to be able to network. Like, I don't, I mean, it's not just business students. It's like having like great interview skills and meeting the right people, even if you're like applying to medical school or something like that. And so like everyone needs it. It's a necessary evil. You just got to do it. Like another thing is, I think it's like really, really hand in hand with like social skills in general, right? Like it's pretty positively correlated that if you're good at networking, you're good at like sociability, right? And so I just think in general, like networking, you shouldn't, just like see it as like oh like it's a bad thing i have to like waste my time or like devote like x amount of time to doing it like you can still like have fun doing it you're still like socializing in a sense like i think people view it very negatively as well i think if you go into networking thinking like i'm not here to get a job i'm here to learn more about them as people and myself as a person and see if we click it's a lot better and it's a lot more fun like i don't think i ever walked into a room and was like i am here just to get a job like, I think that's going to make you sound super robotic and people are going to be able to see that. And that's the networking that you don't want. Um, but if you can, like, if you go in with, like, very true intentions, then, you know, it doesn't have to be bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like that, that you just mentioned. Um, like, like, there is, like, a natural aspect to, like, networking. It's not necessarily just, um, like, here's my objective. Like, when you going to talk to people who I can use for my objective? And then if not, like, I'm going to dip. Like, some people do that. And, like, it's really obvious. And they're, like, disingenuous. And, of course, like, that's what gives it a bad rep. But, like, I think a lot of times, like, networking is just, like, just, like, you know, if you're friends with someone, you're, like, oh, like, you know, like, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Like, I'm able to, like, you know, have, like, this network where, like, everyone is able to, Kind of have like they have their own like special uh like talent like i even remember for like this podcast um like how we got our, like our um um or like from youtube thumbnail or like you know the little design like that was through a connection right like you know ben had a friend whose sister was like super into like design and then she was able to come up with like these like cutesy cartoon characters and you know it left an impression you know so stuff like that i'm like 
even something as innocuous as like this podcast because like it's you know it's kind of like just for fun it's not like we're doing this for like a living like even that like still requires like some form of networking so like okay here think about this right so like i feel like part of the reason why networking has like a negative connotation behind it is like the natural human inclination towards like distrust right like you're it's kind of like the idea where like i gotta quit while i'm ahead or it's like i gotta stab him in the back before he stabs me in the back like what is your like thoughts on those like both of you Like you I don't I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I've needed to be like I gotta stab this person in the back before I get stabbed. I think that if you're thinking that you're in a really toxic situation. <laughs> no, no, but just like in general, like not even like networking aside, like like how do I like word this in a way that's like coherent? I'm just like trying to ask like how you feel about like distrust in general. Like uh maybe I guess a more applicable thing is like in coronavirus, right? Like it is safe to assume that like everyone else around you is like being sort of like irresponsible. Cause that's like how you keep yourself the most safe. But like, why do, why is that the right way to think as opposed to like, Oh, like I'm okay with trusting my fellow man. Okay. Gotcha. Um, I think like in the coronavirus situation, like, well, personally, if my friends say that they have not been hanging out with other people, I mean, I gen I genuinely trust them. I would I don't think they would like lie to me and like go on go to like a bar or something and like a party with a bunch of people and then show up to my house the next day and be like, I haven't hung out with anybody. And if you have friends that are doing that, drop them as friends. <laughs> um I mean like like wholeheartedly I, I trust my friends and like if, if they say they haven't been anywhere, then like I believe that they haven't been anywhere. Because in that situation, like if I had been to a bar or party or something, I would straight up be like, like if I, if I, and then I showed up to hang out the next day, I would straight up be like, yo, I went to this the other day and then people told me to leave. Like I would leave. <laughs> and I think that's how it should be. Yeah. It's very fair. Um, I know for when you brought the coronavirus, I thought it was funny because I know my parents were like very distrusting of like everybody in this situation. They're like, yeah, that's what that's what I was talking about, actually. Like, not just distrusting your friends, but I mean, like, distrusting general people. Yeah. Um, oh, I like, mean, like... Know, if you don't know the person, then you're going to be like, well, I don't know where he's been, you know, stuff like that. Like, you, it's, like, very natural to assume the worst in people, I think. Especially if you're raised in, like, an immigrant Asian household, from East Asian household, at least from my experience. I, I think that because... I mean, just... Like, because I know people who would go out and party and stuff and, like, not be the safest, I think that, like, I mean, I guess I would distrust the general public, but that's because you literally see it in front of your eyes. So, like, how are you going to deny that, <laughs> you know? You like, you know people are going to the bars, so how are you going to be like, oh, I trust that you haven't. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Do y'all think it's like a negative feedback loop? Kind of like, I don't trust this person, therefore I'm gonna do what's best for me. But then the other person is like, they're doing what's best for them, which isn't reflective of me. So I'm gonna do the best for me. And it's just like, kind of, you know, it's a domino effect. Yeah. Because I, I'm sort of like the kind of person that was like, I would like to see the best in people, you know? Like I, I, like I wholeheartedly wish 
that one day we get to a state in the world where it's like you don't have to kind of like be fearful of like the person next to you if you're in like a certain part of like town or something right like i would i really wish that like you could just leave your doors always unlocked and like you don't have to mistrust people right but in the current sort of like flow of the world in a sense like there are a lot of things that like for example it happens in front of your eyes like it's undeniable evidence you know so, yeah yeah I mean, I guess the question was worded really poorly. I guess, I guess the best way to distill this is like, are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? <laughs> I think, I think I used to be a pessimist, but over the past couple of years, I've slowly transitioned into an optimist. But the reason why I think is that you're a pessimist if you like have doubts in yourself. So you have doubts in other people. And I think like over the past couple of years, I've become a little bit more confident um, and so I've seen that slow shift to optimism and I start doing things like out of the goodness of my heart because I care about people. And then in my mind, I'm like, I know these people would do the same thing for me and I'm optimistic about that. So I think like it's been a shift of like how insecure I was like a few years ago to now like being more comfortable in myself. What about you, Alex? I'm a pretty big pessimist. Um <laughs> I have no faith in mankind or myself. And yeah, I think that shows. Uh, I guess Ben would know, but I'm usually just at our place. Um, and I mean, I sometimes, you know, I, there's a saying that like a cynic is just a broken idealist. And, you know, I think I can see that in myself. Um, sometimes I'm like, I, I would like to have a lot of faith in people. But I think there's just a lot of times, like even in my own personal life where I'm like, I hear people are like, oh, like, let's be intentional with each other. Like, let's be friends, right? And then, like, I'm trying, but, like, I can tell they don't mean it. So whenever, like, I hear stuff like that, I'm just automatically discounting my head, like, it's not going to happen. Like, they don't actually mean it, you know, stuff like that. But I've recognized um, that it is harmful to think that way because, like, just because, like, I've had um, poor experiences with some people, like, doesn't mean that, you know, everyone's a bad apple. But it is difficult to um, kind of break out of that habit um, for sure. Um, but that does actually make me think like, do you, cause like, I think something like Cameron said was like, Oh, like, you know, like I become more of an optimist. Like, you know, I try to do things out to go to my heart. Um, do y'all think that like you can be an altruistic pessimist, I guess. Cause like now that I think about it, a lot of times um, you kind of pair like, a lot of negative traits with pessimism, which is fair. It is not a great trait and a lot of positive traits of optimism. But like there could be like um, malevolent um, optimists out there, right? Like people with like not good intentions. So I was wondering if like, if, if what are your thoughts on like this kind of switcheroo dichotomy? Yeah, I'll go. Like um, I kind of think that like a lot of things are nice in moderation. Like, I believe that, like, too much pessimism or too much optimism is bad, right? Like, for example, too much optimism means you have, like, way too much faith in things that, like, might not work, right? Like, even besides people, right? Like, if you're too optimistic, you might gamble on, like, a 5% chance, and that's 95% chance of failure, right? Like, that is far too optimistic. And on the other hand, there's, like, pessimists who are, like, you know, the odds are 95% that I succeed, but that's 5% I fail. Like, 5 out of 100 times I fail, that's so bad. And so I think a lot of things are taken in moderation. So if you 
pin back everything, like you pull like the optimist back to the center and pessimist back to the center, I think you can definitely have situations where it's like an altruistic pessimist or like a malicious optimist. I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm struggling to comprehend um, what you mean by a like malicious um, optimist. Okay, so like, because optimism just really means that you believe that your plans will come to fruition or like, it could mean like yeah. the world is out to for the. Are you like, saying like? Are you saying like you believe that your plan? <coughs> Sorry. Your, your plans will work, but your plans are bad. Yeah, like that's one example. Okay. And then, what would an altruistic pessimist look like? An altru so someone who's still trying to do good for the world when they don't think there's a point or like it's hopeless so kind of, uh, kind of like trying so say this isn't exactly an altruistic pessimist but it is something in my mind so i support i like to follow soccer so um i support a german team called borussia dortmund and they haven't won shit for the past 10 years um so basically the big part of soccer is that you want to win like the league you want to win you want to place number one in um uh like your your domestic league and so there's this team in Germany called Bayern Munich and like they've won the league title eight years in a row and they're really consistent they're really dominant but like they're considered a top three soccer club in the world and sometimes I'm like watching like my, my team Dortmund play and I'm like they're never going to win because like they're too inconsistent and the team in front of them is too consistent so I'm kind of a pessimist but like they're probably pessimistic too because like you know players are like not robots but like they still have to try to um win the title like entertain their fans get hope even if they may not believe it so like i guess that's like kind of like an altruistic pessimist like they're trying to provide hope for their fans and like themselves but they don't necessarily believe it will work i mean that's kind of what like shorting stock and put options are right <laughs> like you're, you're betting on a company failing Oh, elaborate. I don't know much about this. Yeah. So like when you short stock, it means like, or like when you trade options and you're, you're like selling shorter, like you have put options or you're buying a put or whatever, it means that you can sell an option or a stock for a specific price. So for example, if Microsoft was at a hundred dollars um, right now, and I think it's going to go down, it means I'm going to, <clears throat> like a guarantee I'm going to trade with you a contract that guarantees that I can sell this stock to you for a hundred. But then I think the stock is going to shoot down to $30. So I would sell the shares to you. And then on the, like the date that I need to give them to you, I would, the shoot, like the shares would shoot down to $30. I'll buy the shares for 30 and you have to buy them from me for a hundred because we traded that contract. So like you're betting that a company is going to fail. I don't know if that's like the same kind of principle of like, like, like that, that mindset is pessimistic. Like you think the company is going to fail, but you like really, <laughs> really think it's going to fail. I see. Or I feel like it, it might be like a malicious optimist, right? Because you are hoping that it will fail. Right. And then that is like kind of bad because like it is a company failing. Yeah. Because, like, you think it will fail and you're taking advantage of that, which could be seen as malicious, right? Yeah, that's kind of what I thought of when you said that. <laughs> I mean, 
that that's kind of a malicious optimist um yeah i guess when i think of like an altruistic pessimist i just think of a guy who's like willing to run into a brick wall even though he knows that like like there's literally no point in doing that bit like there might be some benefit like i don't know people are somehow entertained or he's doing it for charity or whatever i mean that's like that's like parents trying to do everything that they can to make sure their child gets good grades but they don't actually have faith in their child (laughs) (laughs) that's actually a really good point i remember specifically you have to do everything you can you're not going to not do everything you can but what if you're just like mom my kid's dumb like (laughs) specifically in my life that was my dad to me because like in middle school he actually straight up told me like i think you're he thought i was actually just like like dumb like he's straight up just like i don't really see any hope for this kid academically but i'll still buy some books and like tutor him and hope for the best and then uh, i think things hand were wildly out of his expectations because i i went to ut for cs and then in middle school i was really bad at math so then he was like i was really nervous whenever you took a math test but <laughs> yeah so i guess that is kind of an example where like you know my dad still tried even though he was like my son's a complete idiot yeah wait so what was the question again <laughs> honestly y'all y'all basically answered it i was just like how how do y'all think it's possible or what are some examples of a malicious optimist and a and a altruistic uh, pessimist? Because like usually we we attribute these like positive traits, like we kind of pair them up with each other. So like an optimist is like trying to do everything for the good of mankind, and a pessimist is like I don't know, kind of a dick, and like he's like selfish and doesn't care. So yeah, that's just something that kind of popped up in my mind when the Cameron was describing um her transition to optimism mm. Ooh, back to that actually she brought it up earlier too it's like do you think your pessimism is like somehow linked to like a lack of confidence or like insecurity are you talking to me yeah um yeah probably i mean that makes sense like yeah i'm also like pretty insecure in my abilities i don't have much confidence in uh who I am as a person, what I can do. So it's like very natural for me to kind of just be like, what's the point of having expectations? Cause like, um, yeah, I think like even one example is like whenever someone's like, there's no way you can fail this. My first instinct is why well, be the first person to fail this and embarrass myself? Not, oh, oh no one's gonna fail this. So I'm, I'm chilling. Um, I didn't really actually, ne- I never really thought of myself as that big of a pessimist until like this year when someone was like alex you're the biggest pessimist i've ever met <laughs> I, was like, I was like dang because this guy was like 27 28 years old and i was like oh my god you lived life a lot longer than me so that's not a good sign if i'm the that, that's pessimist. some hard hitting <laughs> yeah Ooh. and he's worked with a lot of people too so i'm like hmm i'm gonna reevaluate myself yeah. okay wait, wait, wait. that made me think of something do you like what is do you think the way people perceive you like greatly affects you like mentally? Cause like, as Alex just said, he's like, I didn't think I was a pessimist until this guy who's like, you know, he, he seems like he's pretty credible. Like told me I'm a really big one. I, yeah. Okay. So you, the debate of whether you should care about what people think about you or not. I think that you should to an extent, actually, I think that like, I mean, obviously, the way people perceive you 
can limit you in a lot of situations, especially in the workplace. So you should be self-aware of how you come off to other people. And like, you should care because if people perceive you as mean and you think you're just like this nice person, you know, like you probably are kind of mean and you should work on that. Um, and it's, you know, it's not all about you. It is about other people and how you treat them. And so like, I do think that you should care about what other people think because, you know, sometimes you're blinded because you think that you're right all the time or like, maybe you don't, I don't know. But like the way you treat people and the way people see you is very important. Yeah. I feel like it's always, um, I feel like people always kind of have a pendulum, like a swing to like different extremes of like, Oh, like, I don't care what people think of me at all. Like only my opinion matters to like, you know, they care too much. And then they're like always flip flopping, like their perception of themselves changes based on like, uh, what people tell say about them um i guess like for me personally um i guess yeah sometimes i think i do care a lot about what other people think of me mainly mainly because of my lack of confidence and that like i don't really trust evaluations of myself um i remember like as a kid when well, i was a kid i guess in high school like i would see a lot of people who are kind of delusional uh, in their like their abilities and like they're not very self-aware and I was like, I do not want to be like that when I grow up. So I was always like, but like in their minds, like, you know, they think like they are like, you know, really good at, I don't know, like coding or like really good. Like they have like great ambitions in their life that um, like I could tell from the outside that that wasn't the case. But I'm like, how do I know that like someone is thinking the same thing as me? And um, so then I think I was, I became very much like, okay, I always have to seek like an, outside opinion and objective opinion because like i feel like i can be like the biggest liar to myself mm. i think i think the uh hearing both of you if changed my mind a little bit about this because i've like i've kind of always been more on the side it's like you know like people perceive you a certain way but it's like you shouldn't take it to heart too much but now i think about it cameron you are both right like your perceived self and your actual self aren't like randomly different. They're not like one is fake and one is real. They're both like two sides of the same coin. So I think it is like important to like uh, care about like how you come off, how you seem. Like for example, I was talking about this with someone recently. It's like the idea of vanity, right? Like vanity inherently in itself is not bad. Like it is, you know, like people would like it that you keep up your appearance to some degree, right? It's not just like a thing where it's like, you're always selfishly like looking at yourself. There's some aspect of like self-grooming. And I think that like, you know, it's human nature to kind of be vain. So I, I, I've kind of like started swinging on the pendulum a little. I was like, I feel like vanity is like a good thing in like, a, like a checked amount. What do you think? I think I'm maybe getting confused on the definition of vanity. I thought vanity was like, I thought vanity was like being like very like obsessed with yourself. Let me look this up really quick. I think vanity <laughs> of itself is like an inflated like obsession with like one's appearance. So like inherently it's bad that I, it is good to take care of your appearance. Um, I think maybe some people like might kind of run with like, Oh, like you care about your parents. You care too much about your parents. You're vain, you know, and it's like very extreme. Um, but I think vanity in of itself is like tech is like, is meant to like, if someone calls you vain, then like, it's not good. But they may be wrong. <laughs> the definition of vanity is definitely not good. 
Okay, yes, yeah, so I just looked it up. It's inflated pride on one's appearance. So maybe it is inherently bad, but <laughs> <laughs> I think like there is some level of you do, or rather you should care about your appearance. Like, you know, like uh, the idea of like social IQ, emotional IQ, and like all these like different types of like intelligence. Like there is some aspect of like, you are really smart if you know how to handle social situations. It's not just like, you're only like being book smart is like only way to evaluate intelligence. Yeah. I mean, like they always say like, um, I like kind of bridging off your statement, how like emotional EQ, um, or emotion, emotional EQ, EQ gets you further in life than, uh, than just like your typical IQ. Right. Um, yeah, I remember in middle school, like I think when people discovered what EQ was, they're like, or they call it street smarts and they're always like, <laughs> Yes, I care so much more about street smarts, not book smarts, because like they were really bad in school. Um, and I was <laughs> like, I don't think y'all are good at street smarts. I think you're just trying to run away from the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's just uh, that's just something I randomly thought of when. That's I funny. I mean, there, it, like, I remember. Uh, Cameron's also said this about me too. I remember I used to think like book smarts was like the only thing you really needed. This was a very uh, flawed logic. Back then. I feel like this was like freshman year, Ben. <laughs> it was <laughs> because uh, like you only did school, like. But I mean, also like I should have cared about school more. Like we probably would have done better balancing each other out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I totally agree. Like there is a, a balance you must strike. I think it is important to keep your sort of like social welfare in check, as well as your like mental welfare, and as well as like I guess like your. Uh, what is it like your scholarliness <laughs> yeah honestly what sometimes i remember like when i was in college and people who are entering college would ask me what's your advice for college i'm kind of just like whatever your thoughts are about like your expectation is like whether you should study all day or whether you just want to have fun do the exact opposite and then since your natural inclination is to like not do what the opposite is like you'll find yourself in the middle and it'll be a good balance hmm. So I was also thinking about this because I was playing uh, like a question game. It's called like, we're not really strangers. And there's like basically different levels of friends. I mean, different levels of depth of questions. And one that really stood out to me was like, which lesson took you the longest to unlearn? And I, I answered, I was like, the idea of like, you know, superiority complex and sort of like this idea that book smarts is like everything, right? Like as Cameron said in freshman year, I was kind of like uh, a study only kind of guy. And like, I realized the error of my ways now. I, I feel like just growing up, it was, I was sort of like only evaluated on academics. And so I didn't think life consisted of anything else besides academics. That's so crazy to me because in high school, even I feel like academics. Okay. So, so high school, I feel like puts a stronger emphasis on academics because there's, I mean, you, there are like, extracurricular activities but also but like in college you're just around your friends all the time so it's easy to like not care about school as much um but in like in high school you go to school you go home and then your parents tell you to do your homework or like maybe that's not how it is for everybody but I mean I I mean that's I think that's pretty much how it was for me but I I think like even in high school you know you have that kind of like like I don't know how to explain this. Like you, you learn some social skills because you kind of want to be popular or you, you know, stuff like that. It's just like, 
grades were a lot more, but I feel like grades still weren't everything. So I find that really interesting that you were like, I was only evaluated on my grades because like when I think of high school, I think like I'm also evaluated like by my peers and like, Mm. like kind of like not social status, but like, like what people think of me and like what, like what I'm doing or like if I'm going to like cheer on our football team, like where I'm at, like stuff like that. Yeah, I think uh, the reason why, or actually this is like a bad way to put it, but like high school I went to was like very competitive. And so sort of like every, the only thing everyone cared about really was just like grades, like how that would be like the stepping stone for the next step, which is college and which turn would be the next step for your job, right? Like everyone's kind of just like looking ahead, thinking about like these academics is like the only gateway that can like get you in to sort of like these, uh, the next step, right? It's like, oh, if I get like the top of the class, I can like go to, I don't know, like Harvard. And from Harvard, I can get like the best job in whatever field I want. Like that was sort of like the mentality a lot of my peers had back in high school. And so it was kind of a lot, like that's kind of like how I, I myself thought like networking was worthless back in high school. And then now like I came to college, I realized like how much impact it can have on your own life. I realized now that like, there's a lot of things that like happened in my high school that were kind of like, it was like a twisted reality, you know, like academics are important, but it's not the only way that can like open the door for you. I think, okay. So I think like, I think networking is a lot more important now than it was in high school. I think if you were just like trying to network with everybody in high school that I don't know, like where that would have gotten you, (laughs) your grades were really bad and you were just like networking. I don't, I don't really know. I don't know if that would have gotten you. I would say that networking is a lot more important now, but I do agree with you that your high school specifically was very much like school, school, school. And like, I I wouldn't even say I went to a bad, like I think that my school is also very competitive, but I think that the people I grew up around, like our parents were very like, do a sport, do an extracurricular activity, have fun, like, like do whatever you want, make sure your grades are good. But like the social skills and the organizations and the outside activities are extremely important. Um, and so that's like, that's like one of the things that my dad said to me the other day is he was just like, you know, we picked this specific area to live in because like those things are important to us. And so like things like, you know, I was on the tennis team when I was in high school and that was something that was super important to my dad. My sister was like, like a nationally renowned diver. My other sister was in flute slash marching band, stuff like that. And like, I know your school also had a ton of kids who did that and your school also like obviously has those activities. Um, but like those things are very important, um, to the people like that I grew up around. And I, I know my dad, like he was like, I, he, he specifically was like, we didn't move to the town that (laughs) he was like, we didn't move to the town that like you live in because he was just like, I think you would have felt a lot of pressure because like the kids that you would have been competing against, you know, were a very high caliber and he was like I don't know not that he didn't have faith in me but like he was like you know I just didn't want you to be in that environment yeah for some context um like Ben like is from Plano and kind of like <laughs> a high we can we can say Plano it's a it's a city yeah, yeah. it's a city in the U.S. Um, <laughs> it's a high uh Chinese American population and you know stereotypically you know Chinese Americans, like especially immigrants, like really value education. Like they believe it's uh, you know, the path, the surefire path to success. So 
I think like his high school had a high concentration of like East Asians, so and South Asians. Um, not saying that like you know that demographic is like inherently smarter, but there's a lot of emphasis on academics, and you know it it can be very toxic at times. Yeah, so, my parents definitely like my parents definitely prioritize academics over everything, but the extracurricular stuff was like. Just, like almost just as important like it was, it was extremely important to my parents yeah i think uh something i didn't realize that my dad told me a lot was like uh you need to like make friends and it's like the idea of like you know like discarding your friends or sort of like you know not really like making the effort to maintain your friendships is kind of like a bad mentality to be in back then i didn't really realize what he's talking about because i was like oh that's a waste of my time you know you can't like study if you're like out like doing random stuff, hanging out with your friends. And now I realize- So weird. I just have never met a kid that has that mentality unless it was like given to them by their parents. <laughs> yeah, I think a major influence on that was like my peers, right? And I think this is also sa says a lot for you too, because you said you were really influenced by your peers. And I think I was too. I think a, lar a large part of it was like, the sort of like the ranks were made public a lot of people would talk about like oh who's rank one who's like what yada 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 rank like i think that was like a really negative part of it but then like i thought about it i was like you know work ethic is something that like i definitely got from going to school here and i was like you know maybe it, it was it's like a it's like a double-edged sword you know kind of like cut yourself to like gain something what what in college made you like recognize the importance of like networking, right? Because now you have a very different view on networking. Okay, part of it was that I was like, I came into college with like kind of like a superiority complex. And like, I think my friend earlier today explained it best to me. It's like, when I was working out, I would think, oh, that skinny guy, he's like weaker than me. He's like, so it's whatever. And then it's like, if I see a stronger guy, I'd just be like, oh, he's dumber than me it's like I, I always had to like find some way to have like an edge in my own mind against like everyone i saw and then it wasn't until i like met people with like just diverse skill sets and not coming from the same background that i realized i was like you know there's a lot of other cool things to do besides just like fucking thinking you're better than everyone else and then i was like you know fuck i'm like not better than everyone else <laughs> you know that I'm glad that you reached the conclusion like, hey, it's better to just meet people and appreciate what people have to offer. Because I know a lot of people, when they realize they're not better than everyone else, uh, it's kind of a existential crisis and a mental breakdown. But I also think like another reason, like maybe why you had so much emphasis on like academics was like, you know, you, you're a pre-med, you were a pre-med major at a, not pre-med major, you're a pre-med student at like UT. Like, I think for a lot of people, like they definitely come in with the mindset of like, grades are like really important which is true and um like that even the idea of networking to like a doctor like a lot of premier students is like like stupid to them right like honestly it's just like i just have to put my head down work really hard do all these extracurriculars honestly like the more i think about it is a lot like high school 2.0 like you're doing all these like volunteer work that you don't care about and you're kind of just like how can i like you know become a president of a club like doesn't have any impact on campus but it'll look good on my my resume versus like um yeah maybe like a business finance student who are like you know there is more emphasis on like going out and like networking um making connections okay to uh start wrapping things up because we're encroaching on the hour mark now 
we're just going to end with like one question. This is another question that came up in my game today that I thought was really interesting is what is something about your younger self? Like what's something about you today that your younger self would not believe? Somebody else go first. <laughs> um, I'll, just, I'll just say my answer so that you guys have time to think. So the answer I gave today was uh, I, I feel like my younger self would definitely not believe that I would like kind of like be confident in making friends or just like the types of people I'm even friends with today. Like, uh, like Cameron, for example, is someone that like, especially my high school self would never have like even interacted with. And it's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> just because like I didn't fucking interact with people period, you know, <laughs> like it, it, it's just like, I feel like my younger self saw me today. It would just seem like, I was a different person. Like, it would just be like, who even is this guy? You know, how can it like turn around so quick in just like four years, you know? Like my younger self would never believe that. I always think it's I think, funny whenever- Oh, uh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, I always think it's funny whenever Ben says that to like a person and the other person's like, why? Like it's something like on them. It, it's, really just, it's really just Ben's just like lack of confidence back then. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can go. I, I think that my younger self wouldn't believe that, like, one, the confidence thing, too, like, I, I also agree with that, but then, two, I think that I don't think my younger self would believe in, like, how, like, I guess, not aggressive, I feel like aggressive is just, just like, has a bad connotation, but just, like, how, like, I've, I think, like, like I've set some goals for myself and, like, actually... like worked really hard to achieve them I think like I chased them really really hard and like didn't give up on them and I think that like literally the only word I can find right now is aggressive like aggressively chase them but I think my younger self like wouldn't have like had faith in myself to believe that which like goes back to the confidence thing I think like I used to be a really really shy child um I like would never speak um like mostly at home and like I would barely speak at school too like I had a lot of trouble with that so um I would say the same but I think that just like goes along with like growing up and maturing and just like kind of like finding out who you are you just like at at some point you just can't give like you just can't really care anymore like you have to be yourself and like have faith in who you are and I think like one thing is like you know that you have confidence in yourself when you like can walk into a room and you don't compare yourself to anybody like you can look at someone and be like wow they're doing such great things and that has nothing to do with what you're doing um and i think that's like how you know that you like believe in yourself and you have confidence maybe okay i retract my previous statement maybe in high school we would have been friends because i was like (laughs) i wouldn't say anything either (laughs) birds of the same like flock together (laughs) yeah i like literally didn't talk until like high school (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm pretty similar to all three of you um like middle school high school elementary school i was a very shy kid um i was basically a wallflower um i feel like my goal at stuff was to not exist like i was that afraid of people (laughs) Um, so honestly i would i would be very shocked at who i am today um i'm not the most extroverted person still but um, I know I'm able to have small talk with people. I remember whenever there were like Asian parties, like 
I would always just be on my phone, like somewhere far away. Like I would refuse to play like cards or whatever for people, or I'd just be on my computer. And uh, looking back, I was like, dang, I'm pretty awkward. And that was very rude to do. But like, you know, I was just really scared of people. Um, yeah. But like now, um, even hosting this podcast, like, I'd be like, why would I host a podcast? Like, I have nothing to say, you know, like, I have nothing to provide, you know, um, so having more confidence and like, you know, just being willing to literally have a podcast is just about having like good conversations with people. Because um, before I'd just be like, um, I can't even have a conversation with someone. Um, so like, even having like leadership positions, um, like in college, I was able to kind of lead like small group for my ministry and like kind of be um, kind of an officer coordinator for my ministry. And even then, I'll, before I kind of just be like, oh, I don't want to lead a small group or Bible study because like I don't have people skills. Like I can't connect with people to make them feel welcome to like doing that. Um, so even kind of managing more logistics because before I just be like, what if I mess things up? Right. Um, so a lot of ways like overcoming, even though like I was very pessimistic in my abilities and helping other people out, like trying to overcome that and still trying that. Um, that's something I'm really grateful for, like being able to go to college and, yeah, that's definitely something younger me would just be like, do I even know you? But yeah. Ben, do you think you're an extrovert or an introvert? Oh, for sure, introvert. But I feel like um, it's, it, I feel like it's an acquired taste for me. I feel like I can be, like, I can exhibit the qualities of an extrovert, but at the end of the day, I need, like, my alone time. Like, I can't be with people all the time. I sort of need to recharge my social battery because I feel like, being around people is nice, but I feel like my natural inclination is just to be alone. Wait, since you were shy as a kid, do you feel like you went from introvert to extrovert, or are you like... All my friends say I'm an extrovert. I personally think I'm an introvert. Um, I think that, like, yeah, like, everyone's always just like, Cameron, you're, like, an extrovert, and if you take that Myers-Briggs test, like, I technically, from that, I am an extrovert. I'm an ENFP. Um, ENFPJ, I think. Um, but I personally, I just don't believe I'm an extrovert. I think like in certain situations, I still am kind of shy. Like, for example, like I am deathly afraid of speaking up in class because I think that like whatever I say is just going to be made fun of. Um, I like if I'm introduced to like a new social group, I don't like, I don't know, like when I when I first got into UBC, like I literally just wouldn't say anything. I was afraid to go into the Frito because I had no friends and I thought, like, it took me a really, really long time to make friends. Because um, if I don't know you, it's really pretty hard for me to open up to you. Um, not on a one-on-one -on -one setting. I'm, like, okay with, like, one-on-one -on -one stuff. But, like, if it's a big group, like, I don't want to talk in front of people. I don't want to, like, put myself out there. So I would say I'm still an introvert. But I think, like, my friends would say I'm an extrovert just because they know me pretty well. And then it's, like, easy to know me once you've broken down a barrier. Mm. I think it's interesting how for like a lot of people who are introverts that can can play like that role of like a loud exciting person everyone's like oh you have to be an extrovert but the inside they're like if there's one thing i'm sure of i'm an introvert <laughs> seeing that like this parody going around but you know, i do think like something i learned that's like helpful is like like introvertism extrovertism is more like a spectrum than like um kind of a binary category so like you know everyone has elements but um no you know if a person's 100 percent extroverted 100 percent introverted like they would literally be in, in the asylum because like they'd be 
insane and incapable of being pleased. But yeah, um, wrapping things up, um, yeah, this was a great episode. Um, this is Nuance Nonsense. Once again, uh, we're not experts, but we just like talking. And I uh, hope <laughs> you all enjoyed this episode. Signing out. Thank you for having me.